Welcome to episode 15 of Forging the Journey, where we discuss the joys and struggles of entrepreneurship and business. I'm Greg Davis. And I'm Jared Dobb. And we are back, episode 15, as I already said. And uh, yeah, man, how's your, how's your week going? Uh, it feels kind of slow, but there's a lot going on. Um, I kind of went into Monday with a game plan, but I feel like, I don't know, I just feel kind of scatterbrained this week. I don't know if you ever relate to that, where you just feel like you go into things with a, with a game plan and it kind of just unravels from there and hard to focus, but there's yeah. a lot of good stuff going on, so things that you know I'm really excited about, but just keeping everything like what? organized. What do you got going on It's exciting you? Um, some potential partnerships that we're working on, um, a couple new products. Some of the new products are kind of, not kind of, but pretty much developed all the way. Um, and then there's another one that the conversation just started, and we're in the very, very beginning phases of um, designing and, and kind of not. I wouldn't even say designing, but creating the spec sheet of what we want this new product to achieve. Mm-hmm. And it's um, just to put a teaser out there: it's completely different than anything we've ever done, and it's not target related. So uh, it should be pretty interesting. But yeah, I, w- what about you? How's your week going? Um, I, I, I feel kind of similar. I, on one hand, I feel for the first time, uh, kind of caught up. Like I don't, I don't have to be glued to the CNC machine right now. Cause, uh, we're, we're, we're set, uh, pretty good for right now for, for parts that we have in the house and parts that are out, out for finishing. So, um, I'm still kind of working on, it. I, I got some new vices for the CNC, which is kind of exciting. I got some dual station orange vices nice. which was uh yeah yeah that was a significant investment but but one that i see there uh it, it paint itself off off pretty quick um so i'm excited to play with those but at the same time i don't like i'm not uh, yeah like i said i'm not having to be glued to the cnc machine trying to get caught up on machining um so because of that my goal is to start working on um, on being intentional and spending more time on on some other ideas that I have for some more products and um, and also you know I, I've got some I've got some other custom shop neo mags that I need to get in the works um, you know, try to line up some seracoders and laser guys and stuff like that uh, for the I'd like to at least line up the next two to three months of custom shops so. Um, yeah, some of that stuff that's uh, that's a little bit more administrative and means I need to be on the on the phone and computer more than on the CNC machine. So, um, which is kind of be nice because I've been basically glued to the CNC machine the last month or so. so I'm looking forward yeah. to kind of getting getting caught up on some of that stuff. Yeah, sometimes it's good to go through those phases where you can kind of shift focus and and change directions. I I find yeah. that. Depending on what I'm doing, it can sometimes become monotonous if I'm right. just responding to emails or phone calls or things like that. Sometimes it's good to switch it up and then work into, you know, like yesterday we were working on price breakdowns on some of the new products and things that we're looking at. And then, you know, how our process is going to look, talking with some of the guys in the shop, figuring out how we could be efficient with it, what kind of time frame we're looking at for production. So it's good to bounce back and forth between the different tasks that are at hand, especially 
as I've, um, as of lately, you know, I've been focusing almost 100% of my time on the marketing and communication, content creation, all that stuff. Um, so sometimes it's nice to be able to divert and go a different path, just even if it's only for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's I think it's important to to take time to to kind of shift gears and to look a different direction and because that that stuff. Uh, yeah, like I said, if if you get so laser focused on one thing, that means you're ignoring the ten other things that that you should be doing as well. Right. And, uh, and that's been the tough thing for me since uh, since getting the CNC is uh um is just kind of learning to readjust and make sure that I'm spending time looking into and the other things that I that I should be doing that may not be as fun, but that are still important. Yeah, and that's where as you add people to your team, you'll be, you know, and we've talked kind of touched on this, but you'll be able to offload some of that responsibility for different tasks, of course. And that's how how we've done it here is as we've delegated tasks and restructured uh, job titles and and what the roles and responsibilities look like. It's freed me up for other things, but you know, it can it can get monotonous. I like change sometimes. I like to switch it up. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, some of this kind of rolls in though. What we were, what we were thinking about, kind of covering this week is, um, so, you know, I, I recently came out with a new product, the Rask, and and you came out with a new product what, in the in the fall with the hostage swinger. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we both kind of recently come out with new products, and we've also evolved over the over the years of of how our products are made so um you know the, the, you know there's some options on 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 different ways to to create your product right so um you know i thought we we kind of cover some of those options and what's what's the pros and cons and what have we experienced in in that so i i think there's kind of two main Ideas. One is you you do things in house, and the other is that you sub the work out. Um, so, you know, what's been your experience? You know, well, how much of your product, you know, percentage wise, I guess, or how many parts, whatever, do you guys do in house versus versus sub the workout? Yeah. So with TA targets, our structure, how we started from the beginning. I think I mentioned this on the first or what, whenever we were talking about kind of how our businesses were started. Um, there's a, a parent company, Richard Sensen Company, which my two business partners are owners of, and there was a fab shop here um, in, in existence already. So we're, we're building TA Targets out of that same fabrication shop. Um, so we had some of the equipment on hand to manufacture the products in-house from the start. Um, and then there's other processes that, that we have to sub out just simply because of the cost of the equipment and the limited roles that it plays in some of the production. So most of the stuff that we are manufacturing, we're doing it here at the shop. Um, and then there's tons of benefits, which we'll go into, into that as to why we would choose to do that. Um, there's, there's drawbacks to everything, but that's kind of been our experience. I'd say most of our products we're producing here, um, a large 
large majority of them, but then there's certain tasks. And, and the parts that I'm referring to are some of the laser cut uh, pieces that we have. You know, we used to bandsaw a lot of the tubes on our bases and different connections, the mm -hmm. angles we used to saw and then punch by hand. Well, now there's fantastic um, CO2 lasers or even fiber lasers that are multi-axis machines that will, you know, burn the holes in the angles and then cut the angle with a laser. There's no cleanup. There's no sharp edges. So balancing, you know, what we knew we could produce on a saw versus what this laser subbing it out could do, it was much less expensive to go with the subbing out in that role, and it had a better uh, quality product, a more consistent product on the backside. So that's kind of been our experience. Um, what about you, Greg? Yeah, and I think there's a lot there that we could unpack just from what you said there. So it's of kind of balancing cost versus versus quality and um, and convenience. You know, I think it's also convenience right. between doing it in house and doing out of house and shipping stuff versus versus doing it in house. So um, you know, my experience has been, you know, when I first came out with the new mag, I was working full time for another, you know, for my day job, and so. Um, manufacturing stuff wasn't really something that I was able to do. So really I was subbing out every part of the Neomag. I was having clips uh, cut, bent and tumbled and then sent to me finished. I was having um, the sheet metal parts bent and, and the plates machined and sent into me and, um, and then I would have those those finished, and basically I was just kind of just doing the assembly and, and packaging. Um, and <clears throat> you know there was, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> the the big advantage to that was it saved me a lot of time. I, you know I didn't have to devote a ton of time on manufacturing stuff. Um, you know I didn't. It, it cost more than doing that, and you know myself. Um, and frankly, sometimes it was better quality on some of the parts where, whereas, whereas there were parts that I really wanted to start doing myself because I felt that I could get a more consistent and better quality if I did it in-house. Um, so really as, as time allowed, I started bringing more of the manufacturing process in-house and, um, I started bending my own clips and tumbling them when I was still working off the other guy, but, uh, um, but I was still kind of, you know, subbing a lot of the other stuff out and, and really I wasn't even bending all the clips. I was still paying someone else to do it just cause I wasn't able to do, I was, I didn't have enough time to do it all myself. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, this year or actually last year I purchased a CNC machine. So I was able to start machining my own Neomag plates, in-house um obviously that took a big investment up front in a cnc machine and time investment on learning how to use it and stuff um but the payoff is going to be you know it, it, the, the amount that i'm saving uh, per part is really going it, to it's going to be worth it in the end um and there's convenience of being able to do that in-house if if i need more i just make them um so I, you know, I've seen, I've seen companies, um, 
which I kind of hate to even call them companies because they're so new and they really weren't selling a whole lot of product, um, not, not succeed because they were so focused on paying less for the materials and their product and, and, and trying to do everything in house, but then failing because they spent so much money on, on the rock products that, that, that in the end they didn't have any money left for anything else for advertising or anything. So they're sitting on a bunch of uh, uh, materials that they have no reason to manufacture because they aren't selling the product that they bought the materials for um, because they're so focused on that product and not enough on, on the rest of the business on advertising on and, and stuff. So, um, I think something that that you know that we can forget is that there are very successful businesses out businesses out there that don't even touch their product. It's all right. they're they're kind of just a middleman. Um, sure, you don't make as much on each individual sale, but you can move a lot more volume, and it takes it takes a lot less time. Well, and it all depends also what industry you're in. There's, you know, certain fabric industries. Um, I, I have some friends in industries that are manufacturing products that are sewn together, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and they outsource everything, and the margins are fantastic. It blows me away what some of them are able to make on a product. So it, it's kind of that balance, you know. Sure. It, it, your industry is going to help dictate um, whether or not, you know, you, you can do any manufacturing in-house. And, you know, we look at the tools that are required to manufacture a steel target, and a lot of people don't think about it, but that laser I'm talking about um, to cut the uh, falling tree t- tracks and the angles we use on all of our targets is over a million dollars. Um, and to do the level of production that we would need, we'd need that machine or one very close to it. So that's where the the uh, the pay versus cost comes into effect. Uh, it is yeah. a more efficient way to manufacture, but are you ready to go out and put that kind of money down on the table to purchase a piece of equipment like that? Whereas some other industries, you know, you might be looking at um, a twenty-five thousand dollar machine or a hundred thousand dollar machine, you know, and it might be more within reach. Um, so there's there's always that calculation that like I'm spinning in my head all the time is because we, we talk about equipment a lot and when is the time to pull the trigger on the next piece of equipment, you know, yes, it'll make you more efficient in the long run, but the payoff also has to be calculated in there. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot to think about when, when you want to bring, bring things in the house, you know, besides just the material or just the cost for, you know, for the machinery or laser or whatever, there's, you know, you're probably gonna have to hire somebody, to run that machine right. or to learn that machine and, and then run that machine and, and, and there's maintenance costs and stuff to it. And, you know, so you really have to you know, kind of look at and figure out, you know, what's the payoff point on this? What's the, you know, what's the pro, you know, you have to write down what's the pros and, and cons on it. And, and, you know, you really need to bring this in house, um, or not because you know because the biggest thing that I knew that I was going to be facing bringing in the CNC machine is um, 
as I've got, as I now, at least for the time being, have, I have another job title. I, I, I have another job role and that's machinist kind of. And so, um, you know, so being able to, to adjust my schedule and, and, and timing and stuff. And, and I had to work with Dusty on, on here's what I need you to cover. Cause I'm just not going to have the time to do it anymore. Um, you know, the, you know, those are all considerations. And, and frankly, we didn't really completely know how much time the CNC machine is going to take. I knew, you know, I, I, I figured at first it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a whole lot. And, and I, but I also knew as it grew, eventually I'm going to need to hire somebody to do this because, you know, because, you know, like I said a little bit earlier is I've not had a whole lot of time to be working on the next product because I'm, because I'm trying to keep up with, uh, with the products we have now, which is a fantastic problem, but eventually it's going to be a problem. Right. So, you know, know, figuring out, you know, you know, can we do this or not? And is it a good idea? You know, because if, if you save a bunch of money by doing something in house, you're also giving up, you know, you're also likely giving up something else. And that's, that's the time that you would be dedicating to another task that that you can't do anymore. Um, Right. And then you also, one of the other things that I think, it's always in our conversations here um, at the shop is the overhead of it. You know, you add a piece of equipment, your overhead or the cost to run your business increases. You've got to keep them. If you have a machine, say you spend a bunch of money on a machine, that machine has to run and produce in order to pay itself off and to justify the expense of, of putting that machine on. And then, like you said, if you have to hire somebody else to fill in that position, that's another step for overhead. And a lot of people don't realize how how expensive it is to hire somebody. Um, and it, all of that stuff has to be factored in. So sometimes, you know, for the parts that are subbed out or if you're just starting out and you're not going to produce the product yourself at first, there is a little bit of freedom in that. It, yes, it could potentially be more expensive. And again, it depends on the part. It depends on who you're subbing to, what kind of machinery they have. But the freedom of not having to justify the expense is also there. And, and honestly, the biggest frustration that we ever have with anything we've sent to another company to produce um, is the lead times. And when you send, say I send a drawing for a couple specialty pieces that we need on a multi-axis laser, um, you know, I'm at the mercy of their lead time. If they tell me six to eight weeks, uh, well, I'm, I'm at the mercy of them. And okay. if you have your own piece of equipment, it, it's your time. You know, if you, if you have an employee or you, or it's you running it, you can say, well, on Tuesday, I'm going to run 500 of these things. And that's just what it is. So there's, yeah. there's that aspect. So yes, you could potentially be free from a larger overhead, but at the same time, you're kind of chained to the lead times, which are going to fluctuate greatly, especially if if you're subbing out. Oftentimes, you're sending it to a, a company that's in a position to produce and to produce efficiently. Well, if that's the case in their production facility or that's the area of work they're in, they're not just working on your product. They're filling their entire um, schedule with other products. Yep. And for hey, us, you're in sometimes... Line. Yeah, you're in line, mm-hmm. and, and it'll vary greatly. You might call them... Um, say, you know, you've got a new product that it's a month out and you're calling for pricing. 
well, at the time of pricing, they're going to, you know, they say to you, okay, yeah, right now our schedule's open. It's a two-week lead time. If you're not on the game and on your on your toes, well, when it comes time to your product release and their schedule's full, now it's eight weeks, now your product's pushed back. So yeah. it it is a, there's definitely a, a give and take. There's a, there's a time frame, especially if you're starting out. You know, I, I, it, you, I think the temptation um, would be to just try to, like you were saying, that it, someone who you know that kind of went neck deep into just buying materials and then all their money's wrapped up in that. I think the temptation could be there to do that. But there's also the aspect of maybe you're going to produce this product and maybe the margins aren't going to be the best at first because everything's subbed out. But then as you take over some of those steps and you produce higher quality, or excuse me, higher quantities, the margins could increase as well. And that's the other aspect that you were saying. You can do things more efficiently sometimes on your own. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think of some, some major catastrophic issues I had with subbing workout. I, you know, I depended on this company to produce a quality product and on the timeline that, that we agreed to. And there were times that I would get that I, I didn't get either. I got poor quality product late. And, um, I mean, I used to run out of product <laughs> and now, you know, now I can't even imagine that. Um, but like, I think it was 2016, um, uh, or maybe it was 17. I ran out of product in the spring because, um, because the person that was making my plates just, uh, actually, I, I, I think it was a new manufacturer that I had found. Um, they, it took like six weeks longer than what they originally told me. <clears throat> and then when I wow. finally did get the product, it was, it, it looked like it was made by a 10 year old with a hacksaw. It was just, <laughs> it was awful. And, and, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, so then I'm scrambling. So then I need to f- go back to one of my other manufacturers and, and I now have a fire in my hands and I'm trying to hand this fire off. That's, it's not their problem, right? They're, you know, so they just put it in their queue and, and now I'm waiting on them. And so it, you know, I was out of product for a while. I, I wasn't able to, to fulfill dealers and, um, and, and stuff. It was like, and when I look at my sales that year, that, that, that spring was, was dismal. And finally, once I got, got, got a product back in the rest of the year, was was great but um yeah just you know waiting on 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 someone else to do the work for you can be it can be tough um yeah so also being smart about about knowing when to reorder products and and uh and be prepared for the worst really that's what i learned is be ready for that three-week lead time to turn into six Right. Yeah, so you know, yeah, be yeah, be pre be prepared for that um, because that that can happen. So um, and the other the other thing too to do if you're going to sub something out is to have a network. And we have uh, 
four. So for any laser cut things that we don't do in house, I have four different suppliers, yeah. and they can they can all provide me a quality product, and we've used them all. And, and so that's the other the other experience we've had. We've had um, an outsourced product get exactly like you said held back, and I actually ordered a second batch from another supplier just because of that. So that would be another recommendation of mine is just create a network, you know, quote it out to three different places if you can. Yep. Um, yep. And then hopefully, I mean, you can usually tell if, if it's not working out and I can, and, and um, someone's going to be late and longer than their estimated lead time, you can normally tell through conversation because I keep in touch as I go through the process. If I ordered on, you know, the first week of the month, by the second week I'm following up. Um, sometimes yep. even at the end of the, following week just to make sure things are you know on par with what they said and if they're not then you have an option to uh, to continue to move forward now the risk of that is then you'll have double the product double the cost from two different suppliers but in certain situations we've run into that was the only solution because we couldn't afford to not have our product be sold yeah yeah i've I've talked to people that that will order two different places at the same time or, you know, say you've got four weeks in between order points, they'll order from two different places two weeks apart from each other. So you're always yeah. overlapping and you're ordering from two different places. So, you know, so one can cover the other. Yeah, it's it, it's not a bad idea to, well, you know, like I say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Um, and, and that definitely bit me early on in, in the business is, is it, it wasn't uncommon for me to run out of product or like I would have, you know, the 12 that I had built in my bin were the last 12 that I had. So I had to tell my dealers, Hey, I can't fulfill you because I need to be able to not run out on my website. Um, you know, and I, I really think there were times when I had a couple pieces left when product came in. So I technically didn't run out, but it was down to, you know, one or two pieces. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that is something that if you're going to sub your work out, um, it's something that you need to be aware of and be ready to deal with and, um, and be smart about. Cause at the end of the day, if you run out of product and everything that you're manufacturing or not that you're manufacturing, but everything that you're selling is manufactured by somebody else, it's going to be really hard to keep your customers happy. It, it's a little different when, you know, if we run out of two-third ADAP plates, I know we can run a pile of sheets in a day and have, you know, pretty much a restock in a day to two days. Yep. And, you know, with good communication to our customers, nobody's unhappy with that in the very rare scenarios that that has actually happened. But then on the other side of that, if we're already in a production run because we're making our product and we run out of another thing, it becomes a complicated, uh, it can also be complicated because you have to balance your schedule, especially if you have multiple products. So I find that that's pretty much our most difficult arena is when we start one production run, it seems like that's when we sell out of something else. So just keeping the, the door revolving and making sure that, you know, Mark is keeping track of his minimum quantities. It really helped us this year when we got that 
inventory tracking system that we've kind of touched on before. That's helped out a lot because then we get notifications when things are getting low. Uh, but yeah, each yeah. each method has you know pluses and minuses, and it's just it's a balance. You're you're like dropping this stuff on a scale, and you're looking at which way it's tipping based on where you're at as a business. I mean, you you definitely I would tell people that I would recommend against massive capital investments in things like equipment at first. Um, and, and I've, you know, Tyler and I with the Cerakote shop have done the same thing. We just slowly and organically grown it from the ground up and bought equipment as we had money and, and invested like that rather than um, risking our family's livelihood by, you know, buying things we couldn't afford out front. I mean, I, I would say that there's, there's, there's people that are much smarter than me with business that could, could calculate to you or, or portray to you the scenarios where, going and potentially getting a loan might make them may, might make sense or having investors or whatever to get money into your into your business um, but that hasn't been our experience at this point yeah yeah it's it's uh it's definitely been some, you know something i've been really glad to happy to learn and it's been through it's not been fun to learn it's it's been a struggle but uh you know the nice thing is now like you said if i'm out of if i'm out of pocket clips then i just spend some and tumble them now you know i still get the blanks water jet out of house but i order those a, a bunch at a time and we just kind of bend as they need them or or as time allows we'll, we'll we'll bend a bunch at once but you know if i run out i can have more by the end of the day and, and right. you know the same thing with with the plates and stuff and stuff so that's allowed me um to be able to uh you know kind of focus on on the parts that I don't do in house and and make sure that I've I've got those coming um and that I still have those in reorder so yeah that's uh yeah, I think my my advice would be is if you got a new a new product um, or if you're just starting out rather, uh, is to, is to work on subbing that stuff out in the beginning, especially if you're working another job and, and you got a family and stuff, you aren't going to have time to, you know, to handle your manufacturing. So, um, you know, you're going to make less, less per product, but that's going to allow you time to focus on, on advertising and, and spending money on advertising and um because if you don't tell anybody about your product then nobody's going to buy the product that you have all the materials for so you know do what you know do what you can and you know you'll be good at budgeting your time and uh and you know know, because it's it's all a hustle and you only got so many hours in a day uh, to put that hustle in so yeah yeah, and the only, you know, what I would say is unless you're in some specific areas of an industry, like, for example, you're a barber and you're just starting out or, um, you know, you're woodworking, there's certain there's certain industries where you can afford to buy some materials, have some basic equipment, and produce. Uh, but it, if you're at a level where, or you have a mindset where you want to scale up and you want to 
have a product that has uh, it's machined or it's made of metal or it's got a lot of different steps involved in it to actually produce the raw materials all of that stuff then yeah I I think it makes sense at that point to at least research and make sure that you're aware of what the costs are going into it before you just dive head deep and buy thousands in materials that you're just going to sit on because you have to also weigh if your product's viable and a lot of that's just over time time proves to you and history will prove to you whether or not your product is going to be viable but it, it it's the biggest none of this stuff's easy and even though everybody knows none of it's easy when you're going through it and trying to make these decisions you realize it's way harder than you thought it would ever be at least in my experience you know, nobody ever told me that um, running businesses or starting businesses or marketing for businesses would be easy, but there's no way to really, uh, for me to portray that other than if you're going through it. Then you'll experience it, you'll know what we're talking about, and then uh, hopefully have a good foundation and a good product that you can just keep on hustling through and pushing it forward. Yeah, for sure. So I think kind of the next... The next step to all this is, you know, is, is now you've got your, you've got your product and, and, uh, it, it's kind of next step is what do I need do now? And, you know, you know, how do I roll this product out and stuff? Um, and we're, I think it's going to take more time to cover that stuff than what we have, have left today. So maybe we can kind of cover that next week. Yeah. Have some options on, you know, on how to roll out your new product and, and what we've, what, what we've experienced, you know, you know, and we can talk about what we've done for our products and what's worked and not worked and stuff. Yeah, and you're right. There's a lot. There's a lot involved in that, and I think that. I think you and I have had some similar experiences, but I'm sure that. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I'm, I'm sure we both have yeah. some, some stories we could we could throw in and some pointers to give to other people. Yeah, and we you know, we kind of talk about what we see some other companies doing and and uh some of the pros and cons that at least that we see uh, i'm sure that they have reasons for it that we don't even know um yeah and we'll never profess so. to be you know the the wizards of business and that's not what we're trying to do we're just sharing our experience from where we're at right now as we're standing here um, yeah so i think it's important to make that distinction cool yeah we we can kind of talk about that next week if anybody has any yeah. questions for us on, on on what we talked about today or if they have any input on on you know and maybe how you've rolled out your product or service and what's worked and not worked for you let us know uh, send us an email at forging the journey at gmail.com yeah we look forward to talking to you guys and we thank you for those who have emailed us and sent us uh, direct messages over instagram or facebook um, that does mean a lot with the interaction absolutely and share the podcast with your friends and you know tell them about it share it on your on your social media pages let people know about this because uh it, you know, as a new podcast, it's it's hard to get it's hard to get seen on on the main pages of a uh, you know of iTunes and stuff. So uh, you know, you sharing it and, uh, and and giving us a rating and and review is is everything. Yeah, and it is. I mean, that's how we're going to get found, and that's how people are going to um, start tagging along with us as we continue to forge the journey forward and build these businesses and. Hopefully, the conversations that we're having provide enough value to you that you want to share it with your friends and family and 
um, and leave that rating and review. And at the end of the day, the rating and review only takes a couple seconds. Um, just give us an honest opinion of what you think about the podcast. And then if you have any feedback, like Greg said, make sure you're emailing it to us because then that's going to help us know which, which direction we should go um, and what you guys want to hear us talk about. Yeah. There's a few of you that, uh, that, that tell me almost weekly you know, how much you enjoy the podcast and and you look forward to it coming out so you have something to listen to on the way home or uh you know from work and stuff uh you know thank you for your guys support and you saying that because we honestly a lot of times i feel like we're just talking to each other so it's good to know that there's people listening and and that it's there's value and it's funny you know the, the, the people that have said that to me um aren't necessarily business owners and stuff so it's right. cool to hear that that uh that there's people that, that enjoy this that that uh, this isn't necessarily the venture, but but they find it interesting. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool, cool, man. Well, I guess we'll, we'll catch up next week and uh, discuss some uh, ideas behind rolling out new products. Awesome. You have a great day, man. Have a great rest of the week. Yeah, you too, man. Talk to you next week. All right.